First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 725 of First Class Fatherhood. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for stopping by. I've got a great guest to bring you today. Peter Faccianelli joins me on the podcast. Peter is an actor, writer, director. He is widely popular and very well known for playing Dr. Cullen in the Twilight Saga series. He also played Dr. Cooper in Nurse Jackie. I remember him from way back when he played uh, the jock Mike Dexter in Can't Hardly Wait. And Peter Faccinelli has got a brand new movie hitting the theaters this Friday, the 29th of September, On Fire. It's a movie that he directs, produces, and he also is the star of the movie. It follows a family who lives in a trailer home in the woods, and suddenly they find themselves in a situation where they got to survive a wildfire. Previews look awesome. I'm excited to talk to Peter Faccinelli about it today on the podcast. And we're going to dive, obviously, into his fatherhood journey. Peter Faccinelli is in a co-parenting situation with Jenny Garth, who was the former star of Beverly Hills 90210. She played Kelly Taylor. Uh, together, they are making it work. And I know so many of you dads out there right now that are listening are involved in a co-parenting situation or you're about to be in one. So listen up. It's always cool to see how other dads are making it work, and we know that these situations can be very difficult out there. Nobody knows that better than you, the listener who's going through it. So hopefully this interview can provide some value for you, and I'm excited to talk to him. Peter Faccinelli is going to be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Peter Faccinelli was recorded on video and is available for you guys to listen to on my YouTube channel. So if you're going to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, you guys did hear me mention Beverly Hills 90210. I would suggest if you are a fan of that show, flip it back one episode and listen to my interview with Ian Ziering, who starred as Steve Sanders in every episode of the smash hit series that went on from 1990 to 2000. Had a really great conversation with Ian. I got some great feedback from it. So if you missed it, flip it back one episode and take a listen. And you guys know so many different actors, directors, writers have all been on the podcast here. So go through the archives of the show and check them all out. And don't forget, if you guys are interested in taking your kids to a ball game, I know football now is in full swing. The baseball season is winding down. Very soon, you're going to have ice hockey back. NBA is going to be back. If you're taking your kids to a game, buy those tickets on SeatGeek or use the SeatGeek app. Plug in that promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and you'll save $20 on your tickets. All right, so let's hit this. Don't forget, as always, please help me spread the word about today's podcast, Every Father in Your Neighborhood, or your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Every day is Father's Day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Peter Faccinelli on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Peter Faccinelli. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. First class sounds too kind. <laughs> well, well, you made it. You made it to the show. That's the title you got for the next few minutes here, at least. So uh, yeah. let's start right there. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Uh, I've got ninety nine kids in a shoe. Uh, <laughs> I've got I've got four kids. Uh, my well, I'll start with my oldest. My oldest is twenty five. Then I've got a twenty year old, uh, and then a sixteen year old about to be seventeen. 
And then uh, my first son, who is uh, about to be a year old and uh, like 10 days. Yeah, I, you know, I had it the reverse of you. We had three boys, then we got our girl on our final try there. So we have uh, three boys and a girl. Uh, you, you going for any more or are you all done here? <laughs> you know, every time I think I'm done, I get pulled back in. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I never say never. You know, um, on the hardest days that there are, like they they flash that smile and then you're just like, and then you look at baby pictures and it goes by so fast. I mean, I can't believe he's almost, it's almost one now. Uh, there's a 16 year gap, you know, between the first and uh, the last and the last girl and the, and my son. And, and I thought about it being a, you know, being the end of, of just fatherhood. Uh, well, you never fatherhood never ends, but like, you know, being uh, raising kids and then and then just coasting into my grandpa years. But um, I felt too young to be a grandfather. And, you know, I just I, I thought I'd miss. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I always had kids ever since I was 21. I've always had kids. So, like, you know, I started thinking about it. It's like, oh, in a few years, uh, I'm going to have an empty house. And, and what's that going to feel like? And, and I've I just thought it'd be fun to do all over, you know. Well, t- take me back, if you could, Peter, to the beginning of this, 25 years ago. How old were you when you first became a dad and had that experience change your perspective on life? Oh, I was 20, 22 when when she got pregnant, my, my uh, ex-wife. So I think I was around 22, 23 uh, when, the, when the baby was born. But I was 22, I remember, when I, when I found out I was going to be a dad, which was bizarre because, like, for me – I just I had just moved out to L.A. I was uh, on my own for the first time. So, you know, having a baby call me dad was bizarre because I was just, uh, you know, came from living at home and being with my own parents just a few years back. So it happened very, very fast. Um, I don't people always say like, oh, you must be used to it by now. I don't think you ever get used to it. It's, you know, you have someone's life in your hands and um, it's a big responsibility and it's a lifetime commitment like it's. It's not like parenting's ever done, you know, it's just different stages of parenting. So, uh, you know, you, you try to give them all the tools that they can to, to be autonomous and to, you know, take care of themselves. But, and then they get to a point where they give you advice too. And you're like, wow, this is a two way street. This is uh, my daughter's give me some great advice sometimes. Um, and then, uh, yeah, 25 years ago, it seems like a blink of an eye. Yeah, and you mentioned there too that it's a 16-year gap till you from your youngest daughter to your now son. So what's been the biggest, I think, what would you say has been the biggest change in you as a father uh since you know having your last daughter and now your son? Oh, I forgot how exhausting babies are. Like I love that I love having a baby, I love having a son. And uh, but you know, you don't it's hard to get anything done. Like, and I have, you know, a great partner, um, and I have a I have help, you know, with, with a nanny a couple of times a week. And, but it's still like, I don't know. I don't know how single parents do it because it's really, really tough. Like it takes a whole village. It really does take a village to, to, to raise a baby. I've got grandparents that come and visit uh, the baby and, and, uh, and, and then her, you know, the baby sisters are 16. I got built in babysitters. there, 16 and 20, but it's still, it takes every, you know, uh, part of your, your attention and awareness. Like you can never really, well, even if you're focused on something, 
if he's in the other room, even if he's with somebody else and you hear him crying or you run, you know, it's like, it's your instinct is like run and make sure he's okay. Yeah. Back to the basics. And, and, you know, one thing, Peter, I talk about on this show a lot is the fatherless crisis we have that goes on in our country where so many yeah. kids are growing up without a father or a father figure. And a big part of that uh, is divorce situations and co-parenting situations that don't work out. And it's so important, uh, you know, when those situations do arise that, that the, the child still has both of his parents involved in the life. So what, what has your uh, co-parenting situation been like with your girls? Uh, yeah. And what is your what what is um what is your girl's relationship like with your son and, and how is that all working out? Uh, great, great. You know, it's a, it was a big gap and, and, and I had to, you know, especially for the youngest one who's 16, she was 15 when she found out I was having another baby. And, you know, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a different uh, mother than hers. And I, I had to sit her down and say, listen, this isn't me starting over with a new family. This is an extension of our family and, and, and you're a big sister now. So it was really important to me that, that they didn't feel like they were left behind. And now I'm starting over with someone, somebody else is like, this is just an extension of, of, of your family. Um, just like you have a stepdad and you have a stepmom and, and, and now you have more people to love in your life. And that was an important conversation for me. And, and, and my daughters really responded in their, you know, I think when the baby it's, it's scary. And then the baby's born and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they fall in love. You can't help but fall in love. Um, and they have a great relationship with him. And, uh, yeah, it, it's been it's been a long road. Uh, Twenty, you, you never get used to it. You never. It's not something that you're like, oh, I've done this before. I know exactly what I'm doing. Everything's always changing. You know, I remember when I was when the babies were younger, and and like I take naps with them in my arms, and 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 uh, you know the baby's mom, uh, Lily, who's a, such a great mom, uh, Jack's mom now. Uh, who's my partner, she was like, oh, you can't sleep with the baby because they said studies say that the baby could fall asleep. You could suffocate it. And I was like, really? That was the best part of like, you know, having a baby it was like, you take these naps. And then it was like, but you grow and evolve because I didn't know that back then, you know? So uh, you're always learning and always growing and always trying to be a better dad. Um, and as far as co-parenting with my other three daughters, uh, two of them are adults. So, so you co-parent in different ways. Uh, one of them still goes every other week back to her mom's and back to my house. It's such an, it's so important to me that, that I'm involved in her life, that, uh, she has me as a dad, you know, she has a stepdad, she has a mom, she has a stepmom. She has it's just an extension of, of more people to love, but I, I want to make sure that I still have so much more to teach her. And I want to have that relationship because I also know when they're off to college, you know, they're off on their own. And so I have a, two more years where I could st still help form her uh, as a person and help guide her. Uh, and then, and then when she's on her own, she makes, you know, she's, we're farther away. We're always there phone call away, but, but, you know, we're further away and, and uh, I'm there to pick her up when, when she falls. Um, I, I said something to her, my 16 year old the other day, I said, look, uh, if you're ever in trouble and this is important to me, and uh, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, if you feel in trouble or worried or like, you know, I'd rather you call me and we'll have a code word and I will come and get you no questions asked and you don't have to talk about it, uh, but it's a free pass for me to come get you and bring you home because I'd rather you call me than feel like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. You know what I mean? It's more important to me, your safety than, you know, some sort of 
punishment or retribution for something you've done. Just, 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 just call me and I will come and get you. Uh, and, and I think that goes a long way. And she's 17. She's about to be 17. So like, I have to give her some sort of freedom to make mistakes and some sort of freedom. You know, I've, I, I've taught her as much as I can. And at 17, she's going to make mistakes. We've all done it. Uh, but I still want to be there for her. And I still want to make sure that she's not afraid to call me because she'll get punished or in trouble. Uh, her safety is way more important, you know, especially at that age. Yeah, well said, Peter. I'm, I'm right there with you because my oldest is 17. Our oldest is 17. We have a 17 and a 16-year-old. So we're right there where it's just, you know, I catch them lying about the little things. It's it's uh, The main thing is that, listen, if you're going to lie to me about this, how am I supposed to trust you when we go to yeah. this? You know, so it, it's really... The, the biggest fear is them not being able to communicate when they're in that tight spot to be able to say, Hey, I could just call dad and he'll be all right to come get me or whatever it is. Yeah. So I, I definitely feel you with that. And then as far as Lily, I know sometimes being a single dad with kids and then having a new partner, it's a difficult decision when to introduce them to your kids and bring them into the, into the fold. So was there a certain point in your relationship you got to where you felt comfortable enough to introduce the girls to Lily? And then what was it yeah. like to watch Lily take on that role of motherhood? Um, twofold. Well, one is I always feel like, yeah, it's important, especially when I got divorced, the kids were a bit younger. So it was like 15, 12, and I think like seven, um, around those ages. And it was important to me for them not to have a revolving door of people that they right. get attached to. So, so I do think, yeah, everyone's different, but I do think it's important. I think it was about six months, maybe six or seven months, but I had like a six month rule and I, and I didn't really introduce them to a lot of people uh, I, when I was dating. I think there was, in, in, the, in the period I was dating, there was one other person in, other than Lily, um, but that was more of a friend, you know, um, and I explained that that was more of a friend. So I didn't really um, introduce them to a lot of, of, of women outside of that because they're also healing, you know, at that point. And there's, they're still uh, trying to, trying to navigate things on their own and, I just didn't want them getting attached to people and having them feel abandoned, you know, by people. Uh, so it was important to me to feel safe enough to say, okay, this person is somebody I really uh, have grown to love, you know, and, and, and whether I, I don't have a crystal ball and I don't know if I'm going to be with them, but I want to introduce you to them. And, and, uh, and I did, and, and it worked out. Uh, Lily, I've been with her for seven years and she's been great. And she, you know, uh, she had a instant family all of a sudden. So I'm sure it was a lot harder on her uh, and, and a big responsibility, too. I think when you're when you're dating somebody with kids, it's got to be terrifying because they're, you know, to, to love that person and then also meet these uh, these little people that are extension of them. Um, you know, what she told me was I loved them because they were part of you. So that was really sweet. So she formed a love for them because she knew that they were part of me, you know. Uh, but she's always had a great relationship with them and always been very kind. And so she had some practice there through motherhood. And I got to say, she's she's such a great mom uh, to Jack. And I tell her every day, I'm like, I'm, I'm so amazed at, at the amount of energy you have, the amount of uh, of love you have to give, the the patience. She's so patient with him. Um, so inspirational to me. I mean, even as a dad who's done it before, like I, I learn new things from her all the time. Yeah, very well said. And uh, I, I really real quick wanted to ask you too, just because with my daughter, it's definitely different the way I discipline her than I do my boys. So I wanted to ask you uh, what type of disciplinarian you are as a father with the girls as they were growing up. And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with? Uh, well, I was, I grew up in an Italian, uh, like 
families. So like, you know, in Italian families back then, everyone's horrified, but there was a, there was a wooden spoon that they hung on the wall. And if you were bad, they'd whack you in the butt with this wooden spoon. Uh, and I had a couple of wooden spoons broken over me. And, and today people are horrified. Oh my God, that's abuse. Yeah. It's like, that's the way it was back in the day, you know? Uh, but it kept me in line. And, uh, and for, but, but I, I don't follow that, you know, obviously I've never raised a hand to any of my kids. My dad never raised a hand to me either. It was always my mom who was the disciplinary. <laughs> so I think that that also made me as a dad, uh, really, really feel like the dad is there to like, uh, talk it through, you know, uh, but, but uh, Lily didn't grow up with that parenting, Italian parenting style either. So thankfully like our kids are fine. No one's, no one's whacking in them with any spoons. Um, but, uh, for us, it was more when they were younger, you know, obviously a timeout if they needed it. Um, but, but I do think that they're, we don't give kids credit enough. Like, like we, they can be talked to, you know what I mean? And a lot of times I think as parents, we want to match their emotions because they're so angry and frustrated and it triggers us to get angry and frustrated too. And if you could just observe and be aware of it and then and then not match them, they will start to match you. So I find that like as angry and as frustrated as, you know, tantrumy as they get, if you remain calm and 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 don't you know match that they'll start to match and calm down too you know it's almost like you think oh i have to you know yell and raise my voice to them but then it, it only escalates so but i think that's a great lesson in life too you know even with a partner uh like lily and i don't raise our voices to each other because I, I find that like i read somewhere once that when people are yelling at each other it's a very odd thing to do right like yell at, at a person it's because they don't feel heard. So they have to talk louder. You know what I mean? And they get triggered and they're trying to talk over the person. But if you both kind of calm down, even when you have that, you know, anger or frustration, you know, when you're intimate with somebody, you're whispery, right? And you care about them and there's a love there. And, and so if you can bring your emotions, even when you're physically like angry or frustrated, and, and, I, and I learned this from Lily because she's so amazing at it. Uh, of observing and being aware and then taking a breath and then bringing your energy to a place of, of more, uh, well, what's going on here? Let's talk it through and being more intimate and quiet. And then you feel heard and then you, you're able to talk through it. So we, we try to do that with the kids too, you know, and she's Jack. super patient with Jack. Jack, you know, is one and he's already started to get like the terrible twos where you take a toy or something and ah, he starts screaming and you're just like, and she's so good at like talking them through it, you know, and, and I, and so I, I learned a lot from her. Yeah. Calm is contagious as they say. So yeah. uh, tell me about the projects you got coming up here. What's the next movie coming out? What are the projects you're working on? Yeah. Uh, I have a movie called on fire uh, that comes out September 29th. And, and I play a dad in that. And, and that too is a family who's it's a middle America family who's, um, you know, got their problems. His dad's trying to pay the bills and his dad's dying of, uh, you know, as, as a lung issue. And, and and there's a lot of problems within the family. And then this fire breaks out and uh, and it just starts to put everything in perspective because now you have a family that's trapped in this wildfire that's leaning on each other to survive, you know. And so it's a really beautiful story about this family that's growing together through this uh, wildfire and, and and then getting through it together. And every each one of us and the, and Fiona Durf, who plays my wife has a 
is, is eight months pregnant in it. So it just shows you how strong women are when they're pregnant, you know, because uh, they're carrying around an, a whole nother being. And then you have Fiona Durev, who's portraying someone who's eight months pregnant, who's trying to get through this wildfire and running and like, you know, trying to save her family. And, and each character has a heroic moment and, and we, we grow through it and, and, and are there for each other. And, you know, it's a poignant story. There's a lot of uh, you know, fires going on almost every week. It sounds like something's in the news, especially with the Maui fires that just happened. Um, and, and so we kind of at the end of the movie give tribute to the firemen, the first responders, the you know, and try to uh, try to give a message of hope and, and and hope we can find a way to curb these fires. You know, uh, how can we figure out how to you know, stop them from happening. I, I don't know. It seems like it's a, it's a global warming. I don't know, but, but like, how can we come together as a community? You know, I, I was watching this one uh, picture in the, in the Maui fires and there was this one house that was standing amongst everyone's homes. And they said, well, how did that, how did your house survive? And they said, well, we did an upgrade on our house and we had a tin roof and we cleared the brushes only because, you know, we didn't want termites. And so they were doing these things that weren't even fire preventative, but happened to save their whole entire house. And so there's got to be ways to come together as a community and figure out, okay, how can we, uh, how can we live safely with, with, you know, when we're building houses, how can we build them to last? How can we build them to not spread these fires? How can we figure out ways to curb the fires um, and just be there for each other, you know? Yeah, I love the fact that you pay respects to, you know, to the fire department, first responders. I was just actually just swam across the Hudson mm-hmm. River with a whole bunch of FDNY, Navy SEALs mm-hmm. and first responders. Uh, so I, I love and respect what they do. And now, real quick, you say your character is a dad in, in the film. Is that is that difficult for you being a dad yourself? Uh, you know, you've been a dad for 25 years. Is it hard to disconnect from your own experiences as a father as you get into the character that is a dad? Or do you, or is it hard to not have your own natural fatherhood seep through into the character? Is it hard to keep that separate? No, I think it all like naturally uh, aids it because I, I know what I, you know, what it's like to to be the head of the family, the, to 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 try to lead the family and to like, you know, to be the dad of the family, but also uh, have a strong mom who's sometimes right, and you have to like listen to to her too, and then and then also to to not you know look at your children as like oh I know best because sometimes they're right too, you know, so. I think it all helps inform, like, you know, playing a dad. Um, I think it helps as opposed to, you know, of course, because because playing a dad on screen, you're like, you know, it becomes uh, it becomes easier to understand what this father's feeling, you know. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I look forward to the film. I know I'm running up against the time here. Our last thing I want to hit you with here, Peter, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Sleep. Get as much sleep as you can. They always say that. Get as much sleep, but you don't, you'll don't. you understand it when you become the dad because not only like does the baby get up during the night and your sleep gets disrupted that way, but like sleep becomes a luxury, you know, like even uh, during the day, you're, you're giving so much energy to the kid, uh, to your kids. And, and, uh, and so even if this baby's sleeping through the night, you're, you're just, especially if you're like me, I, I was the youngest dad and now I'm, I'm the, one of the oldest dads. It is, uh, uh, I'm not the oldest dad, but like, you know, I remember being 21 and, and, uh, and I was like the youngest dad in, in the mommy and me classes. And, and now I'm, I'm on the older side of the mommy and me classes, but, you know, having, getting the sleep to have the energy to, 
pick up the kid, take them to mommy and me classes or daddy and me classes now. And, uh, you know, give them as much love and attention as, as you can. And, 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 the, and another thing of advice is like, I think I, I remember reading something that said, if you, if you have a moment where it's just frustrating and like the, you know, you feel like you're failing as a dad or, you know, you, your kids scream crying and you, you have the, the back hairs on your neck. You're just like, uh, uh, you know, to, 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 if you had a time machine 20 years in the future, uh, and you said, you know, you could go back to this moment and only this moment, you'd appreciate that moment because when you look back at their baby pictures, like, oh man, it went by so fast. It went by so fast. And I'm telling you as a, a dad who has a 25 year old and a 20 year old and a, and now almost a 17 year old, like, and now this baby's turning one, like in the blink of an eye, I know it goes by so fast. Uh, and I know I'll blink my eyes. It'll be five and then 10 and then 15. So like, I'm trying to really enjoy even the moments that are like, stressful or, 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 you know, they get frustrated or you're, you're running around with a full diaper and you're like, where do I change them? You know, you count your blessings, you know, because those are the moments you look back on. And even, you know, uh, on the hardest days, you'll look back and go, God, I'd trade everything. If I could just go back and have them be that small and that little again, hold them in my arms. And, and so enjoy every, every moment. Yeah, right on with that. I love the message. Uh, this has been a lot of fun for me. Peter Facinelli, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here in First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Thank you very much. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.